securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor member, FINRASIPC. Dennis O'Brien with the Retirement Life and Investing Show here on 94.9 News Now. Hope everybody's doing well. What a beautiful weekend we have planned. So fire up those barbecues and let's get going. We're going to have a lot of fun. Anyway, my office, uh, let's see. Dennis O'Brien, president of O'Brien Retirement Investment Group. My office is at exit 90 down from Stake Loft in New London. Please call me at my office anytime at 860-415-9614. If you need any help or you'd like to make an appointment, remember the meter is never running when you come in to talk to me about your situation. And actually, one of you actually called in this morning around 8.30 while I was writing for the show, and I appreciate that. We made an appointment for Tuesday, and we're going to try to get him and his wife organized, which is half the battle when it comes to money and finances, being organized. So that's what we try to do here. Um, I want to tell you a little story before I start off. A brother and sister came in to see me to split their mom's inherited IRA, who she had inherited from a friend who left her some money. And for the first time in 39 years, I was technically opening a successor inherited IRA, which is new to me. I knew the sister, but the brother was new to me and a very, very nice man. As I was going through the new account form, I asked him about, I asked him about his investment history so we went through each item on the checklist, and usually I do it pretty quickly. Everybody owns real estate. Some people own stocks, bonds, mutual funds, especially in a 401k. And um, one of the things, uh, as I went through, nobody's ever said yes to options. And for the first time in many, many years, the guy goes, yeah, I do options. I, I, I buy and sell options. And I stopped because when I go through the checklist, that never happens. So I said, um, really? And I hesitated. And he said, well, I asked him how it was going. He said, well, he's constantly losing money. He trades very small positions. Uh, I told him I appreciated his honesty, and I did. But for you folks out there, please stay away from options. I know those guys on CNBC with the ponytails and the fancy and the $2,000, $3,000 suits on. They're pros, and they talk about options all the time. But I think they probably still struggle with it, despite what despite what they say. Because options, not only do you have to be right on the direction of the underlying stock, but you got to be right within a certain amount of time. Talk about pressure, you know. I don't get involved in that. I like to keep my hair, so I advise you to do the same. Uh, but he was honest. He says, "Yeah, I gamble a little bit, and and I usually lose." And blah blah. But then he started telling me about his son. I was you know, I always ask people about their children, their married, their name, what's going on with them. And he told me about his son. Now, this man was in his late 60s, so his son wasn't a kid. I guess he was in his late 30s, early 40s, the son. And he was married to a woman, and between them, they were going into debt hell. They were spending themselves into oblivion by overspending constantly. House leverage, credit card maxed. The whole works. Uh, big, big expensive cars, big car payments. And the, to make it worse, his wife, this man that's in my office, senior, retired. His wife is giving the son money, helping, help constantly bailing him out. 
So it just keeps enable keeps enabling the uh, overspending by the son and the wife. And he said, the father said, well, Facebook is ratting them out constantly because as they're posting all the trips they go on. They're on constantly on vacation here, there, and everywhere else. So, my friends, when you go on vacation, people are noticing what you're spending, what you're doing, if you're not at work. And so, when you're borrowing money from people and then posting all your vacations on Facebook, even if it's a parent or a loved one or a family member, uh, they're not going to like it. So, be very, very aware of that, okay? And um, it's something to... Uh, uh, I, I basically told him, I said, listen, can I, you mind me giving you some advice? He, he looked at me. I, well, I, I think you got to lower the boom or they're going to take you down with them because it'll never stop until you stop it. And he looked at me so sad and, you know, I'll never forget that face he made. It's just, you know, he knows down deep what he needs to do. He needs to stop the wife from writing the checks. So it's, it's very, very difficult. But these are the stories I see and the help I try to give, and it's ongoing, and hopefully uh, hopefully they can turn it around. But uh, I'm not hopeful in this particular case. Okay, there's something going on out there in the Retirement Life Investing Show. On the investing side, we have to pay attention to interest rates. Interest rates are extremely important. They're the cost of money. When you go to get a mortgage, you're paying for money on the mortgage rate. When you have money in the bank, you're hopefully getting paid on your money. In these cases, the banks don't like to pay a lot, so it can be a struggle. But something's going on in the interest rate front we have to talk about because it's very, very, very important. I am noticing that the two-year, five-year, 10-year, and 30-year treasury rates, and those are the rates that control everything, have been falling, falling pretty dramatically, actually. So that means the rates you get on your CDs, and money markets are going to fall even more. Your mortgage rates, if you're young and borrowing to buy a house, I think you're going to see mortgage rates in the threes again and maybe the twos if this keeps up. Yes, you heard me right. Mortgage rates are not going to be in the fours. They're going to go down into the threes and maybe the twos if this continues. So it's good if you're a borrower. It's bad if you're a saver. And it's one of the things you have to be very, very aware of. So if mortgages go down into the threes and possibly twos, this worldwide slowdown because of the tariffs and the relatively tight Fed, thanks, Chairman Powell and your economic eggheads at the Fed, they've tightened way too much, and now they'll create a huge bubble when they print more money to finance our huge federal deficits. Fiat money is not based on gold. I think it's time to start looking at buying some hard assets, my friends. You can buy ETFs in the gold and silver, and I think you should maybe put 5% of your money over there just to hedge uh, because I think the Fed is going to have to reverse later this year and start printing a lot of money and buying a lot of this federal government paper that they're printing. So just be aware of it. Rates are falling dramatically across the board. The Fed overdid it. The Chinese have reacted very strongly against the tariffs. There's a major war going on, and there's slowdowns because we're basically trying to, you know, change change the, you know, the whole way things work around the world because we've been thinking, taking advantage of. I expect the Fed to turn on the printing presses soon, and the market will zoom up in response, I believe. 
The Chinese will realize that Joe Biden will not save them and eventually will come to the table. The European Union, realizing that they are facing uprising among their members for the lack of border control, will acquiesce to the demand of member states or else felt, face a total meltdown of the beloved union. I believe Iran leaders will face a revolution, and I expect a new government to form in the next couple of years. Venezuela will eventually get rid of Maduro and his Cuban thugs that infiltrated his military and will return to the democratic capitalistic fold. Some of you may argue I'm being capital, too optimistic, but if Trump wins in 2020, many of these events will unfold, I do believe. Anyway, if you'd like to come back uh, to our show, this is the Retirement Life Investing Show with Dennis O'Brien. If you'd like my Retirement Ten Commandments, go to my website, www.obrienretire.com, and we'd be more happy to send them out to you. Back in a few. Retirement Life and Investing Show with Dennis O'Brien, President of O'Brien Retirement Investment Group. Located exit 90 down from Stake Loft. Hope everybody's doing well. I'm in the Taylor Realty Building. Camille Taylor is my landlady. And thank you, Camille, for all the wonderful things you've done for me through the years. Hope everybody's doing well. I wanted to thank Giorgetti's. I went in there to get my uh, watch battery replaced. And uh, they replaced it. Uh, even though they said the battery had a charge, it... Uh, uh, it wasn't working. They put a new one in, and it was working. So apparently the charge wasn't there. But I'd like to thank the Giorgetti family for their kindness and not charging me. And uh, if I go to buy a watch, I'm going to go to Giorgetti's. And I'm not telling you all, go in there and get free battery repairs, okay? So please don't do that. But they are uh, family-owned, and they have a wonderful selection of things, and uh, you should get down there and check them out. I also want to uh, let you know I sold. We had a big... Chris just spurred me on here. We had a big garage sale at the house last week. My wife and her dad and uh, a couple other people wanted to sell their stuff. I don't have any stuff, so I didn't have anything to sell except one thing. And I, I led the sales totals. I decided last year I was tired of mowing. I had mowed for 30, 40 years. And I had bought a new uh, Husqvarna about five years ago, but they're not made the same. It just wasn't the same quality. Constantly in and out, in and out of the shop. I love the mowing part. I hate the Husqvarna, let's repair me for $200 part every year. Driving me nuts. So I told my wife, I said, the guy's cutting everybody around us. I'm going to have him sign it. So between the repairs and, and the gasoline and actually amortizing the cost of the mower over the five-year period, I wasn't really losing anything just having the guy come to mow. So uh, it's worked out well. Uh, Zach does it. Uh, Zach Spicer from Sparkle. Hill, I believe it is. I think his dad owns it, um, Bill Spicer, and uh, they do a great job, and I recommend them very, very highly. But the guy that came to buy the mower, I, I was doing the radio show when they were having the yard sale last week, and I got a text from my wife after going, you've sold the mower. A guy gave me $150 for the mower, and I was like, great, you know. He, but he didn't take the mower. He just left the money. <laughs> Who does that? I said, I like this guy. I want to meet him. 
So he called the next couple. He called the next day. Over came over. His name is Wayne. Wayne Campbell. And I'm telling you his name because Wayne moved down here a couple of years ago, and he's like a small engine mechanic. Does a lot of maintenance work, and he says, "Yeah, this mower's fine. I'll be able to fix it." But he goes, "I know the the quality isn't good." And he said, "He showed me the starter and the mower, and he said these starters are in all the mowers." And he goes, "They are not the same quality." I see. I go, you know, I got into an Audi, and I had this old Mercedes I've had for years, and I'm looking at it. And it looks like the same parts made by Bosch in all these German cars. So it's very similar. These suppliers, you know, dominate these industries. So if they have a problem. It <laughs> dominates the whole industry too. So the reason I'm just telling you all this is just because change happens, you know, and I just decided I am not going to mow, and I sold it to Wayne, and if you need his number, let me know to do any small engine repairs or maintenance or whatever you need. Really nice guy. I really liked him. So uh, I met with a couple of CPAs this week. This was an interesting meeting. These two are partners, and they really, we really got into the nitty-gritty. You know, it was a lunch. Um you know, they were questioning me on portfolio management, how I design my portfolios, and do I use a model or do I individually manage them? They also asked me if I sell American funds. They wanted to know how I do the radio show and has it helped my business grow. They had a lot of questions, you know, since I've known them about five minutes. And they said, I said, I said, they have a great business. They have about 10 full-time employees. So, you know, they've, they've built it up very nicely, and I told them congrats. And I said, do you sell investments? And they said, no, because they can barely keep up with counting changes, never mind getting involved in the investment world. Great answer, because I told them that I believe all functions, including legal accounting and investment management, should be kept separate, because I believe, like the founding fathers, and checks and balances, and having the different groups of government, as well as your providers, your pros around you, whether you're a lottery winner professional athlete or just a regular galler guy that built up some assets through a business or whatnot, you should keep these functions separate. I believe in checks and balances. I think the founding fathers were brilliant the way they set things up. Said So they said no, they can't keep up with accounting changes, never mind getting involved in the investment world, these CPAs. And they agreed with me when I said it. I told them I manage each portfolio separate, and I do not use a model that makes the portfolios cookie cutter like many do. So each client's situation is so unique that it's better to custom tailor the portfolios, which, believe me, takes a lot more work. It's a lot more work this way. But in the long run, it's much more satisfying to me and my client. I told them I do not sell anything when they asked me about American funds. I told them I do not sell front-end loaded funds. I don't believe in hitting a client for 4 or 5% up front, and then they got to wait and wait and wait to earn that back. I don't believe in that type of business. And I go, you can also throw annuities into that so uh, because they're even worse in terms of the front-end charges and whatnot. So basically, uh, I told them they're welcome on the show anytime to discuss tax law because if it can help you, the listeners, grapple with the tax side of things, Anybody who can help my listeners is welcome on the show. you got something unique to tell us that's not in the general knowledge world out there. Feel free to contact me because if it helps the listeners, that's what I want to do. You have to give value added to people in order for them to listen to you and value what you say. I also met someone 
this week who we will have on eventually when it's, she doesn't live in town. But a young lady I met with was telling me about a credit counseling firm she worked with in, the, in a big city and how she had to leave because she saw things that were so evil, disgusting, and unethical. She could, she could not stay anymore. She'll come on the show soon to tell her story. I can't wait because based on the short version of what I heard, I was absolutely enraged by her experiences and cannot believe people would operate this way, but it's better if it comes from her. So I'm going to wait, and when she comes on, we'll talk about that. I'll never give out her name. I won't know anything about her, but wow. I've known her a long, long time, and the story she told me, I just went, I'm shaking my head. So word to the wise, once again, giving value to you people out there that you know what's really going on out there. All right, here's a question for you, and I've been thinking a lot, a lot about it, and, and it just um, makes me think about things. Could you, in all honesty, and I'm looking at Chris right now, staring at him with dead eyes right now, could you save 30% of your income automatically? You're all shaking your heads no out there, and I know. If you can and do, then you are in a very, very, very small minority. 30%? That is a major, major number. Saving 30% of your income? Wowza. That is, is it possible? Can it be done? Is it more in the long run to try and do it? Would it take years to build up to that? Could you do it? If anybody out there is actually doing that or close to it, please call us right now at 860-464-9490. Tell us your story. I want to hear it. Because I know you're out there and I know you're doing it. And we're close to it. You know, I'm not, 25 is great. Don't get me wrong. You're doing 25, 30%. I want to hear the story. Okay, so feel free to call in 860-464-9490. I'd love to hear your story and give encouragement to those that are doing only 5% or 10%, 15, 20, 25% savings rates. Because the bottom line is, is your savings rate is much, much more important to you in the long run. Because your credit score is good for the lenders. Credit score is all about the lenders. Okay? But your savings score, your savings score, 30% would be 800 or more. 25% would be 775. You know, just given it in numbers similar to credit scores, which run from 5 to 800, 450 to 850, whatever it is. Remember, your credit score is good for the lenders, but your savings score, Okay, which I'm just making up, by the way. This is my own creation. Your savings score. Nobody has permission, by the way, to use it. Look, I haven't copyrighted it yet, but I might have to call a couple of copyright attorneys I met a few weeks ago and say, hey, I want to copyright this. Your savings score is much, much more important to you. So any of you out there are saving 20, 25, 30% of your gross salary, a year, doing your 401k, the match, and what you're putting away automatically outside that, please feel free to call into the show today or any day because I want to hear your story. I want to hear success stories. Too much negativity out there. It's like uh, the miserable love company, right? So let's move on from saving score versus credit score to 
When I was talking to these CPAs early in the year, we're going to talk about this in the next segment because it's going to take a little while and I don't want to uh, uh, sh- make it shorter than it should be. But in any case, uh, when we come back next time, we're going to talk about a young man who just got a job and bought a truck for sixty grand. <laughs> and I ran the numbers, guys, and you're going to want to hear them. And we're going to talk about how credit cards are evil. And we're going to talk about something very surprising going on under the surface in the economy that I, I want to talk about. And some of the other things we're going to talk about are the Ten Commandments of Becoming a Millionaire. And I'm also going to let you know about my podcast. And if you would like to become a follower of my Facebook business page, just go to O'Brien Retired Retirement Investment Group on Facebook. Look for Dennis O'Brien. Friend me. I'll invite you onto the page if you want. O'Brien Retirement Investment Group. And you can um, become a follower. We post every one or two days. And uh, it's pretty good. It gets you thinking about things, and it's good things to pass on to the kids. It's for all ages, retirement, through ch- starting out married and whatnot. So uh, go to my web, go to Facebook business page, O'Brien Retirement Investment Group, and it's a good way to start to learn about what we do and the, the daily posts that we do. So in any case, we'll be back in a few minutes with the Retirement Life and Investing Show here on 94.9 FM. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a few. Thanks. Dennis O'Brien with the Retirement Life and Investing Show here on 94.9 FM News Now. Hope everybody's doing well. I just want to let you guys know that the, any copies of the show recordings are go up to my website, O'BrienRetire.com, as well as my podcast. I have a podcast. I am in the 21st century. I have a podcast channel. Just go uh, click podcast. It's on Spotify, Apple, all of those. I think seven or eight of them. It's called Retirement Life and Investing, and you'll see my Beautiful Irish face and a background of green. If you want to take a look, you'll know right away it's me. But in any case, uh, I'm just kidding about the beautiful, by the way. Anyway, I put up three shows. Uh, May 4th was Love and Money. And I talked about I see many couples in my office. Some have been married 50 years, some for five weeks. I know usually in 30 seconds whether they have a good vibe. In almost every case, the couples have raised kids, saved money together, shared together, and come see me. Have a good vibe, and it's usually in the form of wonderful friendship that's grounded in mutual respect, friendship, and even love. <laughs> a little sarcastic there. And the May 11th show will be coming up next week, and it's called The Key to a Good Life. And that show was from two weeks ago. And the key to happiness, above others, is good health, I believe. My older friend Ray travels the world and goes to places that I'd be afraid or even nervous to go to. He's seen things that are not to be believed. He says good health and one common denominator to good health is the one common denominator to happiness and a long life. So whatever you're doing, go to someone who can help you with good nutrition, staying off the booze or drugs, including marijuana, learning to stretch every day and walk, walk, walk. Also add a daily prayer 
lunch or coffee with a good friend, and finding a mate you love dearly. And no matter how much cash you have, you have a happy life. And that's the May 11th show that'll be on the podcast. And the last one's from last week. It's called I Hate Annuities. <laughs> Key to happiness, right? I hate annuities. More and more, I hear the stories, and I just want to scream. They're not bought. They're sold, and boy, are they sold hard. You go to your bank or credit union, they're sold. Retiring, they're sold even though the account is already tax-deferred. They're sold to little old ladies who lock in their emergency money. They're sold to long-time workers who walk into the local credit union. They're sold to doctors, accountants, widows. Everybody gets sold an annuity if you allow them to do that. So that is the May 18th show, and that'll be on the podcast in a week or two. I just want to give you... Uh, a heads up on that, and uh, feel free. And uh, if you go on there and you like what you hear, give me five stars, please. I appreciate that. All right. So when I was talking to the CPAs, one of them mentioned to me about a young man who came in her office. He got a job at EB making sixty grand a year, went out right away, and bought a $60,000 truck. <laughs> really? Really? You know, can't, where is he? I want to, boom, smack him. Well, let's do the math and find out how much that truck really cost them, shall we? And it's so easy. You just go on Google and put, put in how much did this cost truck really cost you and you put in all the numbers, and it's easy to find, okay? So let's do the math and find out how much it really cost him. Let's assume he got a 72-month at 4.99% car loan, and he put 2500 down because he probably had a beater car from college, okay? So he traded in the beater car, got a 72-month loan. 72 months is six years, right? I've seen them up to 84 months now. And it'd be funny if car loan terms go longer than mortgages. Oh, that would be something. So his payment would be, drum roll, please. Drum roll, Chris, can you give me a drum roll, please? Drum roll, his payment would be $923 a month. Ouch, that would hurt. $923 a month for 72 months. $60,000 truck, $2,500 down at 4.99%. Well, let's do the other. You don't have to do the drum roll yet. Well, if he sent me $923 for 72 months instead, and let's say we earned 8% on it, and that's a guess, okay? I'm not guaranteeing 8%, so please do not take it that way. But let's say he earned 8% on it. What would he have instead of, at the end of, 72 months, he'd have approximately, drumroll please, $85,000. So, he'd still be driving his beater, all right, but he'd have 85 grand in the bank at the end of the six-year period. Okay. Now, we're going to do the drum roll one more time. Ready? If he gave me $923, earned 8% on that money, 30 years, and he started early and did it. How much would he have? $1,280,570. Almost $1.3 million if he had started early. Instead of buying the beater and he had just put the same amount in an account earning 8% over time. Isn't that incredible? So the car cost him, the truck cost him eighty five grand to start with. And if he had been real disciplined and I'd grabbed hold of him and started shaking him, he could have a million three and he could put flowers on my grave in 30 years. Wouldn't that be nice? 
That is some expensive truck. You know, the biggest comment I get from people after they start automatic investing for a few months or years, I hear it every time. I call it, I should have chair. The chair on the left of my office when I'm facing out to my left is, I should have started this sooner. Nobody taught me the power of compounding. Believe me, it's not as sexy as a gleaming new truck I know. I know. But it's much, much smarter in the long run. But who thinks that far out? Well, guess what? Some of you do. Some of you smart ones do plan and think far out. And I help them because my kids know, and my poor daughter here is in the office all the time, credit cards are evil. (laughs) She was asking me a question. My daughter-in-law, Nicole, has been coming in, helping me with filing and getting my office organized. And she started asking me about credit cards. And I screamed out, credit cards are evil. And she starts giggling and laughing. She knows I was on a rant. Hey, we got a call. Who could this be? Sam from Westerly. Hey, Sam. Good morning, Radio Free New England. How are you, my friend? Craving much more attention than I deserve. (laughs) You deserve all the attention you want. God bless you. Thank you. What's going on? Well, let's see. I have recent experience with um, automobile maintenance. Oh, really? Tell us your story of woe, I'm guessing. Well, let's see if I can keep this as bland as possible. <laughs> uh, but what wound up being about $2,000 worth of repairs. Yep. Uh, I I kind of feel appreciative of that, just only having spent that, and trying to replace it with a brand new uh, car, which would take about 50500 to replace it. <laughs> Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And you know what? What? Now that I got my old car back, boy, I like to ride in that car better than I like that SUV. (laughs) There you go. There you go. There's a lesson to everyone out there. (laughs) Put money away so you can repair your car and keep it running. I always believe that, you know, I could spend $15,000 in repairs, which is a lot of repairs. Right. Rather than place it with a brand new $60,000, $70,000 car. Which is worth 15000 less as soon as you walk out of the dealership. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Sam. Bye. Bye, you. There's a lesson to all you kids out there. Listen to Sam. Sam is wise. Sam is smart. Sam knows that repairing something, except my Husqvarna mower, which I just sold, just got rid of. But usually repairing a car, you can keep the car on. So she has good bones longer and longer. Now, I have to decide on my 03 Mercedes at 160,000 miles that if it needed a $5,000 transmission, uh, I'm going to, like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. But I, but as long as the repair is under 1000 bucks, I'm going to keep it running as long as I can. And I've had it for 10 years, and it just keeps running and running and running and running. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But getting back to credit cards are evil. I have never seen a case with a credit card debt served any useful purpose in my office. I haven't seen it yet. Some people, I hear the stories, Horatio Alger, they started their company, and they put the initial cost of getting everything on credit cards. Of course, the company was successful, and they paid it off. I've heard a couple of those stories, but most of the time, 99.99999999%, it's just spent on stupid consumable goods that are gone, used up, worth nothing after you buy them. But the debt's there. 
at 18, 20, 22%. So be smart. Credit cards are evil. And listen to Sam and repair your car instead of buying a new one. And to that kid that bought the $60,000 truck, sell it, sell it as soon as you can. Get a beater and start sending me the $923 or send it to someone and invest it. In any case, we'll be back in a few. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Life Investing Show here on 94.9 News Now. Back in a few. Retirement Life and Investing Show here on 94.9 FM. Hope everybody's doing well on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Hope everybody gets out there and has a wonderful time with their with their families, friends, loved ones, or buddies. Gal pals, who knows? But um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. So the Ten Commandments of Becoming a Millionaire. This is the last part of the show. We're going to run through them real quick. And I do repeat them every week, but I think it's worth it. Number one. Above all else, save automatically. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30% of your income put away automatically. That means I scoop it out on the first 15th or whatever date you give me, or you write me a check as part of your automatic bills. You bill by computer, you just send it out automatically. Got a lot of people doing it. Accounts keep growing and growing and growing. We keep buying, buying, buying things, and we hopefully, over time, if they compound at a decent rate, and they'll all become millionaires, we hope. Okay, but you got to start it, and it's easy to do. So just call me if you'd like to start. I don't even like to open an account now for anybody under 60 years old without having that set up also. Because once it's set up and running, it runs beautifully. Number two, 15-year mortgage. You can go to Charter Oak, get an 8 or 12 accelerator. You can get a 15-year anywhere you want, but try to stay away from the 30-year mortgage. The bank gets all the money the first 15, 20 years because the amortization table pays them all that interest. Don't give bank all your money. Be smart. Do an amortization a lot quicker, and you'll be paying down principal a lot quicker. Number three, pay cash for everything. Avoid debt. Credit cards are evil. We don't want credit cards. Pay cash. If you use a credit card to keep keep uh, uh, expenses tracked for your business or you're doing point system, paying them off every month, that's fine. Okay, but if you're not paying them off every month and you're keeping these balances, I see people coming in. 10, 20, 30, $40,000 in balances. Credit cards are evil. We must pay off the debt, but you have to change your behavior. It's no good going to the bank in a second mortgage and paying off the cards if you haven't changed your behavior because you're just going to build up those, those balances again. Credit cards are evil. Please stop, stop, stop. Any major purchases must be saved for. Control your impulses, young man from EB. Do not go out and buy $60,000 trucks. You got the cash. You've done well through the years. That's one thing. But doing it on time, like that $923 payment, that's crazy. Please, 
control your impulses. Number five, subtle. Always raise your savings rate by 1% to 2% a year. So if you started at a new company and you're putting in 5%, try to do 6 or 7 the following year in your 401k. 10%, try to do 11 or 12 and keep raising it every year. Use the power compounding in your favor and not the bank's. Calculate out your current savings rate. You're saving 30%. Your savings score is above 800. You are, I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Number seven, consider buying good quality growth stocks and avoid excessive trading. You know, determining which investments are appropriate for you depends on your own investment objectives. But over time, if you have time, consider buying good high quality growth stocks. Number eight, be generous with your time, listening and helping others. Not all about me or you. Number nine, very important, teach your children about the credit card solicitations, the college debt scams they're running on people, and overbuying a home. Don't, don't listen to them if they tell you you can afford this home. That's not the way it should work. The way it should work is buy less home than you can afford means less taxes, less upkeep, 15-year, 12-year, 8-year, get that house paid for, and build up equity for yourself. And over uh, number 10, this is a personal favorite of mine, travel, see the world if you can, and your good health. Because health is the key to everything. So those are the type of the things I want to talk to, you know, repeat show after show. But I think it's an important thing to talk about. So uh, I just wanted to uh, reiterate that in any case. Okay, something's going on out there, and I want to talk about, because you, you hear the media, I don't even listen to any of it anymore. It's just so negative. It's so partisan, and there's no facts, there's no logic, no reasoning going on. So I like numbers, as you well might have guessed by the show. So I have this database, and it tells me how many companies are publicly traded in the U.S. every day and puts a buy, sell, or hold on every company based on strictly the numbers, based on a score that's based on stock value, adjusted for discounted cash flow, which is a whole other topic, buy signal on the charts, sell, hold, and then the safety number, and given the volatility, and it creates a composite score of those three factors. And I constantly scan the, the list for new and upcoming new companies that I've never heard before. And believe me, they're there every day. I was reading about one yesterday. I was like, I never heard of this company, but the numbers were tremendous. So I'm trying to learn about them. Some of these companies are really good companies now. And the key thing is, will they continue to be hopefully good companies in the years to come? But more importantly, who runs them? And are they a Hall of Fame type of person you want to give your money to? Uh, we have a caller, Diane in Norwich. Hi, Diane. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. What's going on? Um, I'm a first-time caller, and I'm a big uh, Dave Ramsey fan. There you go. And uh, I just want to say that it's possible. I'm 54 and 100% debt-free. Yay! He does yeah. it a lot louder than I do it, but... <laughs> <laughs> and um, just by compound, uh, like you say, comp compounding money, um, uh, net worth over a million. Fantastic. So when you were young, in your 20s... Yes. Did somebody come up to you and whisper in your ear, hey, this is the way to do it, or did you hear it all over the day? Dining room uh, table, was, or it was when I was young. Yeah, my father said, "If you make fifty bucks, put twenty-five away." Yep, and it just went from there. And then, uh, so every time you made money, you always put a 
a certain percentage back. away. Yeah. See, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, so it, it can be done. It can be done. Yeah. Uh, when you went to buy, did you go to buy a house and put money uh, down? Yeah, I bought a house when I was 21 years old. Okay. I had $10,000 in the bank from just saving from babysitting. Yep. Uh, never got allowance. Wow. And uh, bought a house in Norwich and then sold it 10 years later and then uh, bought a house. Yep. Or built a house, I should say. Okay. And um, we ended up paying that off uh, like five years ago. Fantastic. Fantastic. You use credit cards? Um, I do have one thing. I do have one credit card, but I pay it off every month, which <laughs> is evil to Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, Dave's pretty hard ass on that. You know, I'm yes. not. I get it that. You know, you need to keep track of expenses and you get points and all that. But he's dealing yeah. with a population perhaps that has not as much discipline as you do. Yes, it's very, you have to be very disciplined. Yeah, it's like, otherwise, it's like drinking it's a little, you know, like some people yeah. can't, you know. So that's what it's he's, a, I think that's what he's trying to get to the point. So, any advice for people out there? You've heard my stories and the things I run across. Yeah. What, what advice um, do you give people out there? Um, You do have to look. And um, sometimes if you just move things around a little bit, you wouldn't realize how fast you could pay something off if you really... Really work at it. Yeah. 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 Isn't and it amazing? when you have no bills or no real payments, you're like, where is all this money coming from? Right. Exactly. You know? And then you can automatically invest with a vengeance. Yeah, exactly. And that's when you get the snowball effect. Yeah. You get the compounding effect. Exactly. All, all of a sudden, exactly. you're worth seven figures. Yeah, it's amazing. Wonderful, Diane. Thank you so much for sharing your story. All right. Sounds good. I'll keep listening. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Diane. Just to hear that story and hear people talking about the success they have, you can do it. You can do it, but you're going to have to be smart. And her dad told her, dad told her one word from her father saying, make 50 bucks, put $25 away. That stayed with her the rest of her life. And now she's a millionaire. Telling you people, you can do it. One word. Maybe it comes from me over the radio and you're driving around. And you're 28 years old. You're starting to make money. Maybe that one word changes your life. I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope it helps. You know, everything else. So anyway, I was just telling you about the database, all these companies and everything else. One of the things I noticed over the years is that when a business-friendly environment's created, the number of companies that are on the database rise over time. And when the business climate is less than ideal, the number of companies in the database fall. Well, what's going on out there and what the media and really the, across the board, they're not telling you that I'm seeing from my unique perspective is that when the previous administration was in office for eight years, the number of publicly traded companies fell from... 8,200 down to 7,600. Really no growth. But something stunning has happened since 2017. We've gone from 7,600 companies on my database to almost 8,500 in two years. Never heard of this. This is remarkable. No words to describe the unleashing of America's know-how, ingenuity, and entrepreneurship. And this is just the beginning. It's causing wages to rise dramatically in many sections, helping our middle class. 
People are leaving government programs to work again. Our kids are finding jobs out of college faster, and young people are starting companies at a much faster rate. This boom is going to continue for a long time, in my opinion, and have dramatic effect on not just the U.S., but the world. Freedom works, and the whole world is going to be a witness to it. I love this country. I'm in awe of the men and women who have risked their lives so we can have this freedom. Those who died on the battlefields, I salute you this weekend. You'll never be forgotten. We have men and women buried all over the world who have fought beside our allies to keep freedom alive and well and be a beacon to those who want a better life. We will never back down from our beliefs in freedom of speech, religion, and our right to vote. Those rulers who would enslave you, I've seen with my own eyes those who would. Go visit Cuba. See the former parade grounds in Hungary. These places know dictators, and some of them have shaken off the shackles of despots, and as many still they need help. Technology will be used by some of those to try to enslave their people, which will create different battlefields in the future. But we will never back down from our hard-earned freedoms and the challenge of those who would take them away. God bless America, and God bless each and every one of you. Have a blessed day. Thank you.